Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening <sighs> well the flyers are picking 14th but actually it's 13th i thought that was a real fun tweet yesterday it just it bothered me i don't know why i guess i'm just <laughs> i guess i'm just annoyable i'm just it's easy to bother me with this team every little thing right now is just going to piss me off, and I guess that's something I'm going to have to deal with as we move forward. But I'll tell you what has been fun, and it's these playoffs. We're going to get it in them, too. But, of course, we got to start the show the way we do every show with the introductions. Let's start things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Uh, yeah. I'm really glad I bought a Nathan McKinnon jersey when I was in Halifax. <laughs> Makes me feel good about my life choices. Are they, like, Man. all over the place in Halifax because he's from there? So I bought mine at um, the Canadian equivalent of Goodwill Value Village <laughs> for a dollar, which was pretty neat. Um, but it is it is kind of like a, I, you don't really see a lot of them, but everyone in Halifax is either a Penguins fan because of Crosby, an Avalanche fan because of McKinnon, or a Bruins fan because they have like a special relationship with the city of Boston. Special relation. I'm pretty sure what you just described is everyone in Canada is just front runners. For the most part. Two of three of those things always annoyed me. Like every hockey fan that I met was like a Bruins fan. And I was like, oh, God. Well, is, I think that's. Is Boston the closest city to Halifax that has a team? Because it's pretty uh, far from the other Canadian cities, right? Like the with teams. Yeah. It might be, but there's like a whole thing where like. There was a giant explosion in Halifax Harbor in, like, the late 1800s that, like, leveled most of the city, and Boston sent a bunch of ships up to, like, help them with stuff, and now every year Boston, like, sends them, or they send Boston a Christmas tree. It's, like, a whole-ass thing with Boston. So they're, like, into Boston just, like, generally. But it might be the closest geographical city, now that I think about it. I don't think Montreal is closer. That explosion in Halifax Harbor has been well-documented. It's something I was listening to a podcast about recently. I'm not surprised Steph Driver knows about it because Steph Driver knows her history. You're drinking a Fresca again. It's my brand now. <laughs> I just like, you know, what I'm are they so going to be? Make- <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> At least they're not Maple Leafs fans. Like, that's, that's really, like, how could you cheer for such a team? How oh, could anybody? You. Don't do that yet. That's going to be my mine. My hot take. <laughs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I think my favorite part of the uh, the lottery last night for the Flyers was how, you know, they presented the odds for each, you know, each pick possibility the Flyers could end up in. It was like, you know, 1.5% first overall, 2% second overall, like 90-something percent the pick they ended up getting. And then you had, like, the worst pick in the draft. They had to include it. But it was like 0.0%. But it was probably like 0.0001%. And of course, because that would essentially have meant that both the Rangers and Dallas, the two teams below the Flyers in the uh, the lottery thing, would have both jumped up to one and two. And of course, every Flyers in the world is like, that's going to happen, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of the draft for the Flyers was when they went to all the general managers in the lottery. Chuck Fletcher was wearing a very jaunty jacket and also just like staring at his phone and not paying any attention whatsoever. It was really just like, Yeah, I was I was legitimately brand. legitimately shocked about Chuck Fletcher's choice of jacket because he's it was ge- bold. He's generally speaking a pretty low-key guy. Like I was like did you lose a bet because that's very non-Chuck Fletcher personality to show up with like it's, it was a, that was a Vino jacket. It's that was for a Vino sure, jacket. 100%. Maybe uh I, I don't know, maybe 
He's feeling it. Maybe he's sending a message. Yeah, it's I'm Chuck, gonna, Chuck. Spicy Chuck. Spicy off-season Chuck. <laughs> bold off-season. <laughs> setting the tone for a bold off-season with a bold wardrobe choice. I love it. Way to go, Chuck. It's, it's hot, ch- hot Chuck summer. <laughs> it is hot Chuck summer. Kelly almost Thank lost Thank you for naming fresco. the episode. Hot it's Chuck hot summer. Chuck summer unless it goes poorly and then we're removing that H. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I get it. That H. I was like. <laughs> not, the, uh, not the hot one. Yeah, I was like. Hot, hot Chuck Summer. Hot Chuck's, I was like trying to figure it out over time. Chuck's, I don't get it. <laughs> now I get it. William, have you had coffee today? No, I really haven't. I'm I'm, I'm very much struggling. Um, the fly by herself, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I've never done a flyby in my life. Oh no, you're Steph. You're just Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. You're not the flyby. Yeah, <laughs> I've never well. done a flyby in my life. I volunteer to do them when Kelly's on vacation, but she tells me no. She smacks me down, tells me no. I know things. She's got to protect so, the brand. Anyway, Meltdown May is really fun, but it's even more fun when the Toronto Maple Leafs participate and. Ooh. I appreciate the Toronto Maple Leafs because I think that they, as a fan base, have a lot in common with Flyers fans. Just like ramped up. I don't even think ramped up. Well, I've, That's I've, fair, made, actually. I've made the point on Flyperably that Leafs fans are just Eagles fans. Mm. Yeah, that's. It's I my, did hear that. It's both my dream and my nightmare. Ha, dreams and nightmares. Um, for like. For the Flyers to be treated like the Eagles, but then I really see what goes on in Toronto, and I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need, like, because the Eagles would still be the Eagles, and having two of those things in my life, like, when when would I have time to enjoy things? Never. I don't think you would. I, I don't think people in Toronto actually do enjoy things. <laughs> and you know um, what? They shouldn't. They do not follow an enjoyable hockey team. No, but they-, but they do it to themselves, as we do. Mm. But here's the thing. I know, I believe I know what Kelly's going to say. This was a good team. Like, Real they should good. not have lost. Yeah, that's the problem. That's what makes Real it not should enjoyable. Not have lost. Yeah. yeah, that, that it was, was enjoyable but, for yeah. the entire season. Really the enjoyable. The entire season. And yeah. the first handful of games against but, Montreal. But like, and then when you're good the regular May. when you're good the regular season doesn't matter. Tampa just proved that. Like, yeah, we're not even going to play Nikita Kucherov cuz fuck it, we'll get in and then like what really matters is the playoffs. Like you can't you go down in the first round in seven games to Boston. It's like, yeah, all right. You know what? Boston is really good. They have a great goalie. They have one of the best top lines in the league. They have Stanley Cup pedigree. When you go down in seven to Montreal, I don't care who got hurt, you choked. You straight up fucking choked. Oh, yeah. oh they choked. For sure they choked. Oh, totally. And I'm okay with this right now because that's they stay behind the Flyers in teams that have not won the Stanley Cup recently. Like they're still on the list behind the Flyers. So we're good. The Flyers can win next year and the Leafs can win the year after. We're fine. I just want to see what they're going to do. That's the most like enjoyable part of this is I just want to see how much, if at all, the Maple Leafs front office loses their mind. Or honestly, less the front office, but more the ownership. Like, I don't know if the ownership is going to be like, hey, like, because what you got to realize about the Maple Leafs, and this is to the, you know, Maple Leafs ownership credit. Obviously, they're helped by the fact that that market just prints money. But yeah, they have to adhere to a salary cap, but they spend more money than anybody on the other stuff that isn't capped. Like, they spend more money on coaches. They spend more money on scouts. They spend more money on analytics. Like, they spend as much money as they are allowed to spend. And at some point, you would think the owners are going to be like, why are we dropping all this money and you guys can't even get out of the first goddamn round? And then- See, that's an example where people aren't mad that a corporation owns a hockey team. That's true. That is true. People aren't mad about that. They're only mad about it when it's Comcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, yep. I don't know. Oh. What does, what's, the, um, what's the corporation that owns the Maple Leafs? Maple Leafs MLSE. Sports Entertainment. So do they, like, do anything in people's lives aside from own sports teams? They own a bunch of things. I believe they also 
own the Argonauts. Uh-huh. They might own the Argonauts as well, the CFL team. But they don't like. I was gonna say I've never heard of an Argonaut. They don't. Oh. O- they don't own a service in the area that everyone already hates, right? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, because I feel like I that's think part of just it. Just a sports conglomerate. They might. I feel like I should know this. I would look it up, but that seems like work. Yeah, I, they... I very casually looked up um, who owns sports teams. And by that, I mean NHL teams. And a lot of them are corporations. Yeah. Like Madison of course they are. owns the Rangers. Yes. Well, I mean, but people James, are Dolan. Mad James Dolan owns the Rangers. But I mean, he's, obviously he's part of that whole like contingent. But he's like the guy who does the shit. Right. But it's Madison Square right. Garden. Right. Um, that was, I don't know what I was going to say about that. But fuck Comcast. Well, there yeah, we that's the, like, does anyone else use HBO Max? Because I am convinced that when it crashed on Sunday for the finale of Mayor of Easttown, it was 100% the doing of service provider Comcast, so that everybody who's like, oh, you're hooked on a show again, huh? Well, yeah, you can't cut the cord. Come on back, pay your $200 cable bill, and this wouldn't have happened. Like, I am convinced that it was it was fucking Comcast that made that happen. 100%. <laughs> anyway, so the uh, I don't have cable, so <laughs> so the uh the Flyers are picking 13th in this draft. Charlie uh Charlie said today on the Athletic, they're taking a Swedish speedster, so that's good. Uh, I guess we can just be cool. put that in the bank. Hey yo. Uh I was I was a little disappointed to see Buffalo get the first overall pick. I really wanted it to see I really wanted to see Seattle get it. Like, just start them off on the right. Start them off on the right foot. Buffalo's yeah, see, had their chance. See, Fuck. the thing is, is that by Buffalo getting the first overall pick, we know the first overall pick isn't going to work out there. So that's one less really good player we have to worry about because it's Buffalo. Yeah, he could be a flyer in six years. That's true. Maybe. <laughs> if, he, if the first overall pick went to Seattle, the first overall pick would probably be really good. God damn it. I, I bet mean, Buffalo is just a dumpster fire, ah, man. Buffalo. They're just yeah. a dumpster fire in every way. Yeah, I just, like, why, why do they get rewarded? Does, that's what I wanted to ask. I forgot. Does this count for Taylor Hall winning a draft lottery? It does. It sure does. I think he should at least it get half his... credit. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was the team he signed a contract with. And, like, it, it's his fault that they had this bad of a season. Like, it's on him. So I think it does count. Uh, so the newsy yeah. item I wanted to get to was something I just completely missed last week. Like, the day we recorded the show, later that night, one of my friends brought this up to me. And I said, oh, shit, completely missed this one. The Hayes uh, sports hernia, abdominal surgery, whatever you want to call it. Kevin Hayes under the knife, and it's a pretty serious, you know, core muscle injury. We've seen these hamper a lot of players. Obviously, we saw what it did to Giroux and Gostas Bear and Nolan Patrick over the last few years. Not the players we thought they were when they had these injuries. Kind of changes my mind a little bit about Kevin Hayes uh, in the latter parts of this season. A lot of people were calling him lazy, and he, he didn't look like he was trying all that hard out there, going to be totally honest with you. Well, now, whether he was or wasn't, there's a good reason he looked not himself, and uh, this is an explanation. Does everyone else accept that? I mean, I'm not going to like, well, actually, I am Somewhat. going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound a little cocky or like, there's a reason why I wasn't being that hard on Kevin Hayes, because I was told he was playing hurt and it was, I was, it was something I couldn't report, but it was like, yeah, he's playing hurt. So this was no shock to me when it was like, like when they, when they scratched him, it was just like, well, no shit. He's got an injury. It was obvious watching the guy play that he was hampered. So the only concern I really have with this is, you know, whether it's going to linger in the next year. And he That's seems to think. He seems to think that it's minor. You know, he referred to it as a minor surgery in his exit interview. A five-week timetable really isn't that long of a timetable for this type of surgery. So I, I guess it's fair to be hopeful that he'll be fine. But I just think back to, you know, I think back to Drew and Ghost the year after they got the surgery. It took them a while to, to get back to form. So that's a concern. Um, Nolan Patch is a little bit different because he actually had two of these surgeries. So Yeah, because the first one he was like misdiagnosed and then he played on it forever and then he yeah. like, needed the surgery and then he came here. 
like he had a doctor like at the navy yard who specializes in these things who was finally like okay now you're fixed after yeah, like you a need, bunch you need of to shit. do the other side yeah. whereas i so i don't i don't want to use nolan patrick as a comparable but i do think back to ghost and drew and it took them you know pretty much a full season mm-hmm. to get back to where they were pre-injury um so i hope that's not the case but as i said again like they've kind of been downplaying this though i guess what else would you do other than downplay it you don't want people to think that kevin hayes is going to suck again next year um even though i I really i don't think he was as bad as people think he was i I, he definitely did not have a good second half and likely a lot of that was due to the fact that he was playing through a core injury yeah i mean like he's got a core muscle injury and they play literally every night like yeah you're gonna be real tired (laughs) like you don't have any strength so, I, like, playing Hurt, I hear you, like, it was obvious something was the matter with him, but, like, playing Hurt could be anything. I feel like a core Fair. muscle injury, like, that explains it a little more than just, like, oh, he's got, you know, some pain in his shoulder. Like, it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. I mean, he didn't look like he had any power in his strides. Yeah. That was obvious. He just, and and, and he's a guy who, like, already kind of has, like, a lumbering type of stride, so you take that power away, and then suddenly it doesn't look like he's moving at all. Well, that was, like, last year, I remember saying, like, when they first signed him, I was like, eh, you know, Couturier, Patrick, Hayes down the middle, I I don't know about having very little speed at center, and then Hayes just kept pulling away from people, getting breakaways, and, like, being behind the defense, and that was surprisingly awesome, and then this year, that was completely gone, Yeah, explains it. It does indeed. And, I mean, they got five more years of him under contract, so they better oh, hope God. that he comes back good. Please just be good. It is funny. I'm like actually... No, go, go ahead. ahead, Steph. Well, I, I am relieved that there was something seriously wrong, and that's not a nice or kind thing to say about a player that you like. No, I, I think that's fair, though. You know, there's definitely... I, I remember... I'll never forget... The, it was after the 2016 postseason. So this was the postseason where I believe the Flyers played the Caps and Drew had one point in five games. Yeah. And we got and we got we got him at exit interviews and he swore that he wasn't playing hurt. And I'll never forget turning to Dave Isaac after that. And I, I said to him, like, I really hope he was lying because if he wasn't playing hurt, I don't know what the hell happened to him. And then like two weeks later, it gets announced he's going to, he's going to have core muscle surgery. So obviously he was just lying through his teeth, but like there's, there's a degree of like, you want there to be a reason for when a guy underwhelms and you obviously don't want anyone to be hurt, but the alternative is if the alternative is they just stink now, that's bad. (laughs) Well, no, because there was a real annoying thing that happened, and it was in the second half of this season, people who didn't like the signing to begin with were like, told you it was bad. It's like, yeah, he was one of our best players last year, and the reason they won a round for the first time in forever, and he was pretty damn good in the playoffs, too. Like, actually, it was a good signing, but there was cause for concern when you see him, like, just not looking the least bit interested, honestly, in the way he was playing. And now you can just see, yeah, he didn't have that power. He didn't have that drive to be able to, like, really step into plays. So it makes sense now. It's it's relieving. I agree with you, Steph. Yeah, and in fairness, you know, I, I don't think... I don't think you can look at this and just purely say he was hurt, that's it. I do think there was frustration on the part of the coaches as to the way he was playing, even with the knowledge that he was playing hurt. Because if you think back to that, the healthy scratch that, that they gave him late in the season, I mean, Vino was open that, yes, Kevin Hayes is not 100%, but he was also like, this is not a scratch because of, you know, he's hurt and we're giving a day off. This is a scratch because he's not playing up to his capabilities. So there was definitely an element of frustration in on the part of, I mean, maybe it was like, the season was basically over. Hayes was playing hurt, and he kind of was like, "Well, I'm not gonna like give it my all because this is a lost season, and I'm like, I'm just sick of all this shit." And the coaches are like, "Yo, dude, you can't do that." That that's very possible to me. Like that makes sense to me. And then hopefully he comes back healthy and in a much better frame of mind, and everything's fine next year. But I'm just saying, like, I don't want to totally brush aside the idea that like, no, this was all injury. Like Hayes could have still played better even if he was playing hurt. Yeah, uh, like, and he could have just, like, the blind passes to nowhere, and, like, yeah, he could have looked more more into it, but yeah, 
now at least I can say I think he'll be okay and not... Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's the decline of Kevin Hayes already. So Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So, Charlie, I read an article today about uh, Seth Jones. Hey, I read how, that article. Yeah. Actually, Brad, Brad wrote an article about Seth Jones as well on BroadStreetHockey.com. Great minds, am I right? Oh, wow. Yeah, have you clicked on the website that you get paid from, <laughs> BroadStreetHockey.com? I clicked Never on it today. Once. I clicked on it today to read Kurt's Drew isn't getting traded to Ottawa, and this is a waste of time, so here's why article. And honestly— <laughs> I, have, I, I haven't read that article yet, but I'm sure it's great. Honestly, I loved it. It was excellent. It was one of the best articles we've published in a long time. Uh, but just thinking about this Seth Jones stuff, that's what I wanted to lead to with Kevin Hayes, like a guy who on the surface, yeah, had a real shit year. Uh, Seth Jones didn't look like Seth Jones this year. Uh, I love your comment, Charlie, about Flyers fans can just, uh, ironically wave this off for Seth Jones as a shit year, but for the Flyers, oh no, no, oh no, no. They're a bunch of quitting losers because they. <laughs> what an amazing point! I was. Extreme, it was really. I was good. extremely proud that I was able to get that in there. It was that really was good, good shit. But uh, man, the idea of just the name Seth Jones and the actual possibility that like people in hockey are saying, yeah, if they don't re-sign him, he's a trade target for the Flyers, and Seth Jones is saying, I ain't signing. So. Is this a real possibility? Like, could Seth Jones be in orange and black? I think it's definitely a real possibility. The Flyers need a top defenseman. Seth Jones is now an available top, theoretically, defenseman. But it's one of those things where, like, I mean, Flyers fans do this a lot. We fixate on the best version of a player. Yeah. Like, I feel like Flyers fans want 2017 Seth Jones on the Flyers. That would be really good if if that existed. But he's proven over the course of the last 2 years that that guy doesn't exist anymore. So why would you and if you could get Seth Jones for like a pick or you could re-sign him on a cheap prove it contract when he hits UFA because he's been in such a decline that maybe nobody wants to take a a big swing at him, but that's not going to happen. Like he's going to get paid. And do you want to tie yourself to six years, 30 million on another guy that's just not that good. I mean, I think he's going to get more than that. I mean, I know. I'm just using an, an Andrew. I know. I, I know what you're saying. I, I think on my side, I mean, I'm not willing to go as far as you, Kelly, in saying that, like, that guy doesn't exist anymore. I agree that he has not been that good for a couple years, but he's only 26. He turns 27, I think, midway through next season. So he's still, like, you know, maybe not in his, like, Hard of his prime, but he's certainly not like she shouldn't really be on the down, like the dramatic down. This is basically where guys are, you know, peaking or slightly past peak. It's a risk, you know, it's a risk because he's not a great advanced stat guy. He obviously had a legitimately poor year last year, but the entire Blue Jackets team had a legitimately poor year last year. So, you know, however much you want to put stock in that, that's up to you. It's really a matter of two things. I think number one is a matter of like, how much do you think playing in a different team with a different system, with a different mentality, like does that unlock more of the great Seth Jones we've seen before? That's number one. And then number two, which is a completely fair point, is we've all we're all going into this offseason saying to ourselves, like, the Flyers gotta get a top pair defenseman. Like they got ideally a right-handed shot, but like they gotta get somebody. They gotta get an impact guy. Seth Jones has the theoretical ability to be that impact guy. He's not maybe as much of a sure thing as, say, Dougie Hamilton. But there's no guarantee that Dougie Hamilton will want to come to Philadelphia. So at some point, the Flyers, if they can't... like My view of Seth Jones is Seth Jones would not be my top choice for the Flyers to go after. But if better options either can't be acquired or the team just doesn't want to trade them anymore, then at some point you may have to just take the plunge on a Seth Jones because, like, what are you going to do? Go into next season with Phil Myers as your number two defenseman again? Like, that's that can't happen. So it's like, okay, well, there's a risk element here of, like, maybe it gets to the point where you have to take the risk on Seth Jones, knowing that it could go badly, but knowing that doing nothing just isn't an option. I 
agree with that. It's just my thing is that as soon as that name became available, it seemed like a lot of people put him at the top of the list. And there, this is like a unique situation this summer where there appears to be four very, very good defensemen that are potentially available to the Possib- Flyers. Possibly more than that. I mean, Maybe. the the, peop- the the people I've talked to around the league have basically been like, look, like I'm not going to throw out names, but there are going to be some guys move this we summer. We want fucking you- names, Charlie. No, I mean, I don't know the names, but I've basically basically been told that, like, there are going to be guys moved this summer that you don't even know are available. That because, like, because of the expansion draft, because teams are looking to shake things up, like, there's going to be names thrown around that are like, wow, I didn't even know he was on the market. So so it might not just be those four guys. Yeah, like, I don't want to go for Seth Jones until I know for sure I can't get Ryan Ellis. Like, until that door is completely closed, don't give me Seth Jones. Like, that should be the last option because he's going to get a ton of money. You don't even know if he's going to sign with the Flyers. You could trade for him and he might not sign here. That's fair. And then there are better options available. So, like, why would you make that your top target? There's literally no reason for it to be. But I do worry that even though he was wearing a spicy jacket, Spicy Chuck is not usually (laughs) a spicy kind of guy. And I feel like Seth Jones is, like, the kind of defenseman that he would go for. See, I think Seth Jones is a pretty spicy player. He's just not spicy in maybe the way you want him to be. Fair. Like okay. Seth Jones, like, like, I think part of the reason why a lot of people jump Seth Jones to the top of their list is because if you think back, like think back to where we were in December, Seth Jones was getting serious talk about like being one of the favorites for the Norris. When people thought that the Blue Jackets were going to be good, you know, they obviously they 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 what they beat Toronto in the playoffs last year, and then Jones had that incredible uh, game one where he played a full game in the five overtime game. Like people were ready to coronate Seth Jones as like he's going to win the Norris, he's going to take that next step. And then he had a bad year, and the Blue Jackets were a disaster. But like that sticks in people's heads because most people didn't actually watch Blue Jackets games this year because why would they have? Yeah. Yeah, it was, and it's like, it was oh yeah, Seth be, Jones is great. We we can get Seth Jones. He's awesome. Kale McCarr and Seth Jones were the Norris. That was the Norris buzz coming into this season. Yeah. Was Kale McCarr yeah. and Seth Jones? Um, how much of how much of man Tortorella really just takes the fun out of some guys? <laughs> like <laughs> how much of how much of Seth Jones is like quote unquote decline? Can we blame on just like? Playing for a coach that the players were tired of in a system that doesn't, like, always highlight its best players. Well, he was good under Tortorella. So it's not like it was impossible for him to play for him. Although it it does seem No, it just, it wears on you. Yeah, I was going to say, it does seem like he's reached the end. Seth Jones was also good, you know? Yeah. But then he wasn't. Right, but I don't think that it's unrecoverable. Yeah if that is a word. Like, I think that he'll be fine. I just don't necessarily want him to be fine on the Flyers. For like um, And that was something dollars. that I said. I was, I was on um, the podcast for the Hockey News last week, and I did mention Seth Jones before all of these rumors started coming up because he is a name that Flyers fans are crazy about, and it didn't seem like he was going to resign in Columbus and now we find out that he is not. So I think there's a lot to say about how really really bad the Columbus Blue Jackets were this season. Like really really bad. Um and I think that he's a fine defenseman. He's just not what the Flyers are looking for. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Tortorella point because there's a little bit more complexity to that point. Like, I absolutely believe that by this season, I think Torts had worn on people. You know, he, I think he has a shelf life as a coach. And I just think that, I mean, there were rumors going back, I think, as far as, like, February that Tortorella was on his way out. And that, like, players know that. You know, players read the same things we do. And if they're reading reports that their coach has one foot out the door, 
his message is going to wear more thin than it normally does because it's like, well, you don't even care about us. Like, you, you want to get the hell out of here. Why should I listen to you anymore? And I think that absolutely played into, you know, the debacle that was their season, as did a lot of things over there. So on that front, like, yeah, I'm sort of willing to chalk up last season to, you know, torts and just the overall toxic environment that became the, the Columbus Blue Jackets last season. That said, I don't think it's totally fair to say that like Tortorella's style that he coaches in, or at least that he coached in Columbus was conservative and like holding Jones back. Because I remember when Jones was like really good and like 2017, 2018, they let him and Morensky basically play like forwards i mean they yeah. like i remember i think allison who who contributed to my piece um she wrote an article that basically like like tortorella essentially called them rovers like they weren't even defensemen they just roamed around the ice and did whatever the hell they wanted because they were so skilled that they could and it was really refreshing especially coming from somebody like torts so he's gotten flexibility to do like a lot of offensive stuff and go for rushes and pinches and everything like that that said Allison did point out in my piece that there was an element with Jones where Wierenski was such a risk taker and so offensively oriented that Jones at times had to kind of play like the safer defensive role on that pair. And they played like all the time. So that was pretty much all who he played with. Whereas in my mind, like if he were to, if the Flyers were to get Seth Jones and they probably would pair him with Ivan Proveroff because those are the guys that take the most minutes. I would almost want Jones to be the Wierenski on that pair. Like, to me, Provorov is almost better suited to be the more conservative defensive guy because, as we've seen this year, he's really not that great with the puck. Like, he 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 can engineer a breakout, but he turns the puck over a lot. He fumbles the puck a lot. Like, I'd rather Seth Jones be the guy carrying the puck up ice than Ivan Provorov, to be totally honest with you. And that's why I do have some hope that, like, if the Flyers did settle on Seth Jones and pay what they needed to get to to get him, that maybe he would fit better in Philly than he does in Columbus, and maybe the numbers would improve to match. But again, it's a risk because this is all theoretical. So, like, to me... If the fly and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but like if the Flyers were to get Dougie Hamilton, I wouldn't be worried about his skill set translating because like it just he's been great everywhere and it so logically fits. Whereas with Jones, you're like, okay, well maybe if we change this and this is different, then the numbers will be good, and that's that's hope. That's not that's it's less certainty than with other guys, which is why I prefer other guys. But I'm not ruling out the possibility that if they got Jones, that it could work out really well. If we come into next season with the Flyers' top pair of Provorov and Seth Jones, your excitement level would be what? Well, I mean, it depends on what else they got. I was going to say, yeah, they need other stuff to move the needle. If, it, yeah. if, if, if that was their only move, my excitement level wouldn't be that high. It would probably be around the same level it was at going into 2019-2020 when they got Niskanen and Braun and Hayes. Maybe less. And then because, we were proved to be wrong. Yeah, we proved to be wrong. So, yeah. But, like, that was the thing. You know, Hayes I was legitimately excited about, even though I worry they overpaid him. Niskanen and Braun were like, well, I hope. And again, this is similar to Seth Jones. Like, well, I hope they work better in new environments, you know, with, you know, different partners and, and everything like that. Because they both didn't have great performances in the years leading up to the trades. So, it would be similar in that way. Um, but they need more than just a top pair defenseman. I mean, they, oh if, yeah, they need the, a lot if, more. Yeah. I mean, if the only move they make and like a credit to Chuck Fletcher, if they get that top pair defenseman, like it's not going to be easy to get, but that can't be all they do. They need to do more shit. Also, if we end up with Seth Jones and then the other defenseman that I think would be a better choice, end up someplace else for like similar deals or deals that involve fewer players and prospects and picks in return. That'll just piss me off. Well, like yeah, if someone sure. gets Ryan Ellis cheaper than we get Seth Jones, I'm going to be real mad. But we'll see. So Ivan Provorov got six years, forty point five million. It came out to six point seven five. Would Seth Jones get considerably more than that? About um, the same. If I had, to, what do we think? If I had to guess, I, I think he would get more. If I had to guess. I think he, I would guess probably in like the seven to eight mil range for a cap hit, and obviously a long term. I mean, seven, six, seven, eight, something like that. I would assume. 
That that's my guess. I mean that that's not done. That's not me doing any research. But like he has had some down years. His scoring is down a bit. He's still very highly thought of in league circles. So that plays. But yeah, I think he'd get more than Proveroff. But I don't think he'd be in like the Petrangelo range. If that makes sense. Better. Like I, I like I think Doug, I think Dougie will get more than Seth Jones. Yeah. In terms of in terms of contract. To. Yeah, I mean. It, that would shock me if it was even like close. Honestly, like, I, I mean, it wouldn't shock. It wouldn't shock me if it was close, but I think Dougie gets more. Uh, the flat cap Douglas. does Douglas. <laughs> the flat cap does make it a little more interesting, but like I think of these two players on different planes. Not every, that's the thing. Not everybody does. Like, right. There's a lot of people that think of Seth Jones. You oh. know, Seth Jones is the the big physical big, do yeah. it all defenseman, and Dougie is the you know yeah he scores and he's flashy, but he's soft and he doesn't come through in the playoffs and that guy. So like there there's going to be differing opinions on those guys. Dougie's a big boy too. Yeah, oh, he's big. He's just not physical. Yeah, yeah. We don't. Which call is those the worst combination big. for yeah. a Flyers fan. If you're big and not physical, do not come here. I mean, Flyers fan, Paul Holmgren was like, yeah, we, right. gotta get rid of, we gotta get rid of James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah. Like, this guy. JVR, have you ever laid a hit in your life? No? Get the get fuck, the fuck out, out of here. He's tall and he doesn't cross-check. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Uh, I guess we should break for a commercial before we come back and talk about the playoffs. That's probably how we should do things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Alright. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Hold on just one second, and then uh, it's gonna be playoff time. A little bit of ice sport to close out this BSH radio. All right, fam, we are back, and uh, yeah, there's not a lot of Flyers stuff going on. I think we talked through a couple important things, but... Let's get to what's really going on in the hockey world. No, it's not playoff hockey. It's debating a hit. That's our fav- oh. That's our absolute favorite uh, thing to do on hockey Twitter and just really in hockey in general is talk about borderline hits. Uh, so we're gonna do that. I do. I know. I want to talk about the Shifley hit on uh, on Evans last night because it's a main subject, but. It does kind of annoy me that this is going to overshadow the quality of hockey that was played last night, yes. which was um extremely high. Like, both games Real were annoying. fun as shit, and that Vegas-Colorado game, like, I'm yeah, rooting for crappy. Colorado, but I really don't ever want this series to end. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was where I was at with the—I um, I felt— in a lot of ways, and the outcome kind of ended up being similar. Um, I felt very similar to how, similarly to how I felt watching that first game of the Florida Tampa series, yeah. where like by the end, I wanted Florida to win that game, not because I really cared that much about Florida, but because I was like, if Tampa wins, this series could be short. If Florida wins, like Tampa's going to come back, and we're going to get a seven-game series. Where the same thing last night, where it was like. I don't like I guess I'm sort of rooting for Vegas but like I don't care that much I mostly just like the hockey yeah. and now Colorado's up 2 nothing so it's like well shit could the series end in 5 I don't want the series to end in 5 I want the series to go 6 or 7 Colorado hasn't lost yet and that was their first game decided by like less than 3 goals <laughs> they're uh, just imagine having that many great players like God, just imagine crazy. I can't it doesn't compute think- for me I think the other day, Pete, like someone asked Pete DeBoer about defending Colorado's superstars. And he goes, yeah, we're going to try. They have like seven. (laughs) 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 Like just the opposing coach in a sport where nobody ever says shit is like, yeah, I mean, goddamn, they have so many good players. (laughs) It was just it's incredible. But I want to start with the Shifley hit on Evans. Uh, it's gonna, it's not, he's got a hearing, it's not in person, so the max suspension is five games, um, Evans is coming around the net for a wraparound on an empty net goal, uh, Shifley is skating the length of the ice, back-checking, and to me it comes down to two things, intent and zero regard for the puck, um, uh, listen, I'm not gonna say I know exactly what he was thinking, but had he arrived a second, two seconds later, he was still laying that fucking hit. Like, he said, fuck it, we're losing, I'm going to hurt this, and not I'm going to hurt this guy, but I'm laying him the fuck out. And um, he he was never preventing that goal. He, he made no, he had zero he regard for the puck. Mm-mm. I, I would have done the exact same shit when I played in high school. I would have done that, but I also would have expected an ass beating and not to play for a little while. So, like... 
that's just kind of what's going on here. I don't know if he needs to be kicked out of the league or put in jail for it, but a, a few games is probably warranted here. I mean, definitely. And it's kind of frustrating, like, the way that they do this, I guess it depends on, like, what you are doing. Like, what is your intent with the Department of Player Safety? Is it to punish or is it to deter? Because this hit, what if in my neither? mind, and it does seem to be neither, but, like, in my mind, this is worse than what Kadri did. Like, his was technically more, quote-unquote, dirty because he kind of aimed for the head. But, like... As you described, Shifley was not going for the puck. He was not trying to stop that goal. He didn't give a fuck about it. He knew it was going in. He just wanted to to hit that guy. And, like, is that what you want players to be thinking? Like, it shouldn't be. We all like hard hits, but we like them in context. You know what I mean? Like, this one was just like, ew, why would you do that? Like, that's just gross. That's And it's like, yeah. do you want to deter players from doing that? Or do you just want to say... $5,000 fine because, you know, he kept his shoulder down and Evans really kind of put himself in a vulnerable position and blah, 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 all the ways that you can explain away the reasons why he shouldn't get a long suspension. I don't know. It just it just bothers me. Like, I used to be, like I said it on Twitter, I forget what even hit it was. There's been so many now. Like, I was a Todd Bertuzzi defender back in the day. Like, I, I used to like this kind of stuff. But I don't know how you can watch it knowing what we know now. And be like, yes, that should be a part of the sport that I enjoy. Like, it's just, they gotta get, they gotta get rid of it. So I don't think that player safety has ever tried to deter it doesn't things seem like from it. happening. Like, I mean, but I don't think that that's ever been the point of them. So therefore, they're there for supplemental discipline. So if the officials on the ice don't get it right, they are there to back up and enforce the rule book, which is where the fines and the suspensions come from. It, it comes from the officials not getting it right on the ice. I don't think that that's the best situation. I don't think that that's the best model. And I don't think that it serves anyone, the teams or the players. Um, you know, that being said, on on this particular hit... You know, Shifley is doesn't have a history being of being a dirty player. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a dirty hit. Um, but I think that that is, oh, excuse me, that is something that needs to be taken into account when it comes to supplementary discipline, and it always is. Sure. Um, I know Jake Evans did suffer a concussion, which is another thing that is always taken into account. I can't the, believe the it wasn't discipline. worse. Like seriously. I he can't was, believe it wasn't worse. He, was, he out. was out. He was out on the follow through and could have easily broken his neck the way he fucking hit the ice. Like that was right. And insane. I can't remember who who I saw. Uh, and there was a picture going around Twitter last night oh, that Ellers. was protecting his body. Uh, Jake yeah, Evans' it was, body it was, it was from the, it was the Ehlers, scrum. Yeah, it was Ehlers. Okay, which was like that's one of my biggest fears yeah. now my mother in, in put a fear in me when i whenever i went ice skating she made me wear these thick ass gloves because she was afraid i would fall and put my hands out and someone was going to skate over my fingers so anytime i see a player down on the ice like that all i can think about is somebody stepping on him and just a, a horrific situation happening so the fact that Ehlers was holding everyone back like that's good and that's what we should be expecting from our hockey players i think that there will probably be a one game suspension i don't think it's going to be more than that yeah i mean i'm thinking one or two probably um uh, they they announced they didn't give them an in-person hearing which an in-person hearing in these days is now a zoom hearing because there are no actual in-person hearings but this was just a phone hearing so the most they could give them is five and i don't think they're gonna give them five um the, the one thing i'll say about this hit and this is something that it's something I thought about a lot um, about these kinds of hits because this was the kind of hit where you know if you slow it down and you break it down you know frame by frame and you know scour the rule book like you can make a case that this doesn't deserve maybe even a suspension at all but certainly not a long suspension you certainly can he didn't make head contact was in the chest you know he released the puck just a few seconds before 
but I kind of go back to this, and this is something I noticed last night. There were friends of mine that like don't particularly like hockey, or at the very least, don't watch it. Like it's not a sport they care. Like once in a while, like they'll watch if the Flyers are doing well, but like they don't really give a shit about hockey. And they were telling me on you know you know in group chats and on text or whatever, like, did you see that hit? That's the worst hit I've ever seen. And these are people who love football. And they were, like, fucking horrified by that hit. And at some point, you just kind of have to take a step back and be like, you know, rather than focus on, like, the minutia of the hit, like, just watch the hit. It's like, it was a bad freaking hit. And it was a bad hit because it was totally unnecessary. Like, it just, it wasn't needed. And there's an element to this whole thing where I think, like, Dops gets focused a little bit too much, understandably so to a degree, because obviously they're they're having to defend against the possibility of getting, you know, their suspensions appealed and precedent and things like that. They get focused on, like, the, the little details and everything like that. But there's a simple element of, like, there should be mutual respect mm-hmm. on the ice between players, and that's the kind of hit where they're just obvious. Like, Shifley did not respect None. Jake Evans one bit 100%. in that play. He knew he was going to hurt him, and he gave zero fucks. And yeah. those are the kind of plays that I don't really want in the game. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like, there's a difference between, like, you know, you want to make a guy hurt, and you want to hurt a guy. And that was the latter. Like, he wanted, he was pissed off, he was frustrated, and he wanted to hurt Jake Evans. And I don't really want that kind of hit in hockey. Yeah, like, that's the, you can say he's back-checking or whatever, but when you skate, like, I don't know, 175 feet uh, and just fucking plow into a dude, there's no way he's not going to get injured. Like, that's just physics. (laughs) If you hit me with your fucking van, I'm going to be in pain. Like, that's what happens. Uh, like, and that's, uh, yeah, it, the the respect factor, I think, is huge there. I think that's, like, there's no way, n- there's no way to prevent injury making that hit. And also, he did nothing to prevent the goal. He made no attempt to actually prevent, all that combined is, like, you decided to hurt a guy. And, like, yeah, you could slow it down, but, uh, like, still, it's a charge. It is a textbook charge, regardless mm-hmm. of what you want to call it. You skate that distance, it's charging. Even if you don't leave your feet, like it is. So we'll see. I, it won't be a long suspension, I don't think. I did love the, uh, I think it was a quote from Joel Edmondson. He said, it's a dirty hit, but the league's going to take care of it. And if they let him play in this series again, we're going to make his life tough. I like that. I like like telling the league, like, hey, man, do something. If, if you don't take care of this, we will. Like, just put it out there. So when this shit happens, it's on you. Just casually dropping, hey, remember when you didn't suspend Tom Wilson and that Caps-Rangers game turned into a Donnybrook? Yeah. We'll do that here, too. And we're up 1-0 in the series now. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Because I, yeah. But, but there's a difference between it happening and Shea Weber just goes over and challenges him and they fight and that's that, or the game gets fucking silly. Like, I'm, I'm for either, It'll be in. It'll be entertaining for me, but like I feel like the league doesn't want a line brawl in the playoffs. Yeah, well, they're gonna get. One. I think that it would be hilarious. I want it just because I think it's funny. But that also brings up uh, that atrocious and mistimed fight. Air quotes um, between Corey Perry and was who is it? Nick Foligno. Foligno. Yeah, Foligno. Foligno yeah. I, I say his name wrong every time. I say every name wrong. Like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> yeah, every single time. Um, but I think that that stopped the Leafs and the Canadians from having line brawls for the rest of the series, which actually may have helped the Leafs win. But, you know, know, they they kind of... they. I think that they handled it. It was... It was unnecessary, and it didn't need to happen, and it shouldn't. I mean, there are very few things in this life that I would say Corey Perry didn't deserve to happen to him, and that, <laughs> unfortunately, is one of the things that Corey Perry didn't deserve to happen to him. But I also think it saved the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah but also, I, that, 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 was, that, was that clearly, was an accident. Yeah. yeah, that was clearly an accident. This was clearly not yeah. an accident. Right. Right, it's a completely different situation. 
Um, I'm just talking about line brawls now. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, it was it was funny to me that, like, Joel Edmondson said what he said. Um, because, like, of course, some, of course, like, a teammate's going to say that right yeah. after. The, like, no shit, that's what, he, that's what he's going to be thinking. We're going to make that guy suffer if he comes back on the ice. But, like, I don't even know if they interviewed Shea Weber, but, like, they didn't have to. Because everyone knows that the minute Mark Shifley steps back on the ice, Shea Weber's going to try to fucking kill him. I mean, this is the guy, what, like, did he, like, throw somebody into a stanchion? He turnbuckled him. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> like, that's, when, like, that's when I decided the Flyers need Shea Weber. That was, that was the moment. We need this guy. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, this is going to be... I, I'm not, like... I worry about what will happen to Mark Shifley if he comes back in the series. And, like, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve some type of retribution, but, like, it's concerning. Yeah. Because Montreal rightfully is going to be utterly livid at this guy. And it could get ugly. Oh, man. this Just think of the big picture here. Winnipeg-Montreal. Like, there's intrigue in this series now. Game one is good. Montreal pulls off the, uh, pulls off, I guess, what is considered an upset. How are we here with these, like, the worst division with two teams that only made the playoffs because, like, there weren't two other teams and four had to go? This is the 3-4, Matt. Like, god damn, how are we here with these two teams? Fucking Canada, man. They can't get their shit together a little bit. Like, the best team and the best player aren't here. Meanwhile, we've got Winnipeg, Montreal. We're arguing about Mike Shi- Mark Shifley, Mike Sheffley, Mark Sheffley. <laughs> now I don't. Now I don't know what his name is. I've lost it. Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley is and Jake guy. Evans. When we could be talking about Matthews versus McDavid, like how the fuck is this possible? I mean, this is what happens when you sh- you put together a division, and I'm not saying the NHL had a choice because they really didn't. Yeah. But this is what happens when you put together a division with one good team. <laughs> That always chokes. <laughs> this is what happens. It's, you get no good teams. <laughs> this is, and like, I will say, like, I was pretty impressed by that game last night. I enjoyed it far. I thought I was just going to ignore this series entirely. Like, oh, cool. There's three series going on and one I don't have to watch. Well, now I'm definitely no, no, gonna... no, no. That that's that's the Boston Islanders series. Yes. That series Correct. isn't actually happening. Well, I there thought, are no games being played. I think that series, like, I don't know. It has like. Some sort of appeal to me. I don't know what it like. It, it has zero just, appeal to me. It could just be so ugly. Like it could just be so <laughs> ugly. Like it's like car crash appeal to you. Yeah, like a bill hookup in college. Like, <laughs> good lord, <laughs> that's not cool. No. Uh, those were fine, fine ladies. Uh, <laughs> Steph, just like I'm gonna turn off the computer. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. God bless. Anymore. That's probably a good thing. But yeah. Uh, is Winnipeg... Other than the Islanders and the Boston series just doesn't exist, which I completely agree with. I... <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, well, Not on my radar. Yeah. Like, obviously, the two marquee series in this round are, um, you know, Colorado Vegas and Tampa Carolina. Unfortunately, both the series are now 2-0, which sucks. So I really hope at least one of the two teams that's down 2-0, like, shows some fight and starts winning some games. Because I, like, it would really suck if both those series end in, like, sweeps or five games. Because then all we're left with, I mean, I guess Winnipeg-Montreal, like, Winnipeg-Montreal, I, I wanted to watch. But that's because I'm very much rooting for the Habs. So like I like I'd like to see them win. I don't think Winnipeg's a very good team. I'd like to see them out. Um, now I'm really rooting for the Habs, but I never cared about that Boston series. Like I, first of all, I think Boston's going to win it. Secondly, I just like the Islanders are already boring, and mm-hmm. then you throw Boston into the mix, who is basically like oh they they have one line that does fun stuff, and then three lines that kill time, so the one line can go back out and do fun stuff again. Mm-hmm. Like that is their whole strategy. That's why I'm rooting for Boston, though, because I know Boston can't screw up my eventual Colorado—excuse me, my eventual Colorado-Tampa Bay final. The Islanders can, just because they're that fucking team that screws things up for everybody. Like, I want to see Colorado-Tampa, and I don't think Boston can actually beat either of those teams. The Islanders can screw this up somehow, so I really need Boston. It really does feel like— the more these playoffs go on, that that final is destined, doesn't it? It sure like, does. Like, 
It just seems like like Tampa, even when Tampa doesn't play well, they win. Yeah. And then Colorado last night, like they got outplayed and they still won. Colorado it just seems with like, like 25 shots. Yeah, it just seems like those teams are like on a collision course. Like it's destined that that's going to happen. Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah. No, that's the like, it's really, it's probably the best collection of like talent and team since like Detroit and Pittsburgh in 08 and 09 and like, the plethora of series between Detroit, Colorado, and Jersey from like '95 to what '02, but very excited. For I'm half calling. Of those games. Oh, go yeah. ahead. I'm calling Tampa, Colorado, the best collection of talent uh, ever, non-Olympics. Like this is the highest level of hockey we're ever gonna see. I don't know how you can argue with you that. You think so? I mean, it's teams with studs at every position. Yeah, there are individual better players than players on those teams. But collectively, I don't think there's two teams that have more talent than those two teams. I mean, I guess right now or ever of all time. Right now, for sure. Yeah, right now, for sure. I mean, there's arguably like, you know, the the late 90s Detroit teams. It's like hard. I was that's what I was thinking of like those that those teams were so stacked and they played other good teams no like it's tough it's tough too because there was no salary cap back then so those teams were just like there was that one year that Colorado was just like hey let's get Paul Carrillo and Timo Solani because that'd be fun (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) yeah that's what I was thinking of that Red Wings dynasty era like they were really good teams but for right now, absolutely. Those are the best two teams assembled with the best talent. Bar none, I think. Maybe maybe Toronto could come in close behind, but it's there's a gap between those two and number three. Yeah, and even, even Toronto, like, Toronto's high-end talent, absolutely, even if they didn't necessarily show it in that playoff series. But, right. I mean, Toronto's depth isn't amazing. I think that, like, like what, like, Tampa's got, like, Yanni Gord on their fourth line? It's wild. And, like, yeah. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> wild. it's freaking wild. It's disgusting. It's so crazy. It's, I was really rooting for the Canes. It's just so gross. Yeah. I was hoping the Canes would be able to to get it done, but it's and like, they, like hey, it's just, you know, Peter Morozik, Peter Morozik's coming in net to save the Canes? It could happen. Maybe. It really he? could. Are they bringing him in? I think I just saw a tweet from Elliot. Now it's not up in my notifications, but I think I just saw like an Elliot Friedman re- retweet that was like Morozik oh in the starters net or something. Mm. Oh boy! Yeah, All right, boy. it's All time, right. baby. No, but like just looking at these playoffs, like the we were saying, Tampa, Colorado. It, it looks like these teams are destined to play. Like all year, it was like Vegas and Carolina might be the, the like the other two best teams. They're the teams that can give those you know Colorado and Tampa like the best run. And they're both down 0-2. Like, I mean, the thing is, like, they're they, both they, awesome they teams. Are, this could be 2-2 yeah. tomorrow. That's the thing. Like, they are. I mean, aside from that game one of the Colorado-Vegas series, which was a joke, like, Vegas was right there with Colorado last night. Yeah. And Carolina's been right there with Tampa in both games. Like, they, they've arguably gotten the better of Tampa in terms of, like, quality of play and shot share and chance share. It's just that it just seems like this is destined for Tampa-Colorado because... They're just pulling out wins. Even when they're not playing great, they're pulling out wins. And, you know, do I think Carolina is a lot worse as a team than Tampa? No, but it's really hard to come back from a 2-0 deficit at this point. It will be crazy. Like, if Colorado beats the other two Vezina finalists to win the cup, like, that's just, that's an assembly of scoring talent unseen. Like, that's fucking, that's just silly. Uh, what else? Is yeah, good? and they, I mean, really, they could, because if they, uh, so if they win this series, they will, they will have beaten Flurry. Yeah. Then there is at least a chance that they would have to play Hellebuck, who didn't get nominated, but could have. But he's kind of Hellebuck, don't, yeah. If they don't play Hellebuck, they have to play Price, who was Carrie Price, and then they would have to, you know, if, assuming Tampa goes all the way, they play Vasilevsky. So, like, they'd have to go through a murderous row of goalies. This is, oh. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Can I complain about how like half the games are going to air at 9.30 p.m. because the NHL's stupid? Yeah. I mean, you can. I'm it really fits it. my schedule. Like, I'm a I fan. know that the, for the three of you, well I was going to say, too. the three of you are like, this is fine. I can <laughs> like, stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching hockey. Yeah. I'm pulling overnight shifts with infants. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> They're learning hockey. 
Like Colorado Vegas ending last night. I was like, oh man, I was ready to go to like 4 a.m. Oh, like, I was really hoping for it. I envy you guys, but also no. <laughs> no, I'm real <laughs> tired right now. Like, okay. <laughs> I like. Oh, safe. I'd like to go to I bed. I just after had a this. double coffee. I'm gonna like, eat two slices of pizza and then go to bed. Like that's what's gonna happen for me at 12:45 p.m. There you go. I respect it. Uh, we got anything else? What else is going on in the world? Playoffs? Anything we didn't touch Yoffs. on? Yeah, Sixers won. That was cool. Oh, that was fun. People are excited. Right. Apparently, it's real hot up there. Can you confirm? It's it's uh, like I, sticky as fuck today. Yeah, it's like scattered thunderstorms today. It's going to get, I think, hot this weekend. It is. Like 90 degrees-ish. I haven't been out of the basement yet. 95 on Sunday. No, thank you. Oh, no, ew, thank gross. you. Eh, oh, just going to pool. Sorry, dealing with that. I just dropped a y'all. Hey, y'all. Steph is just <laughs> southern now. We've got to, like... <laughs> my neighborhood has a pool. You can come and hang out with me. I mean, my Where building has a pool. Ooh. Not yet 95 degrees. <laughs> Coming over, Charlie. No, no. What what we've got to do is we've got to do like a a long term analysis of Steph's linguistic changes the longer she lasts in Atlanta. So like somebody's got to listen to all of like like chart all of Steph's words and see like over time what oh, words God. slowly get mm-hmm. added to her repertoire the longer she's in the South. A y'all count. Somebody a y'all do count. a y'all count. Yeah. We're at like, one. Steph- I like the problem is is that I'm hanging out with people from New Jersey. Like my <laughs> mm. brother and sister in law are from New Jersey. Gina's from Ohio. Like there's not a whole lot of y'all happening in the people that I see I mean, every you'll, day. You'll you'll meet like friends and stuff, mm-hmm. and at the very least, you have to interact with like people at like the grocery store and cashiers. So it'll it might take say, a little don't bit get longer. Too ambitious for me and having friends. It'll, it'll take time, but we'll get time. there. We'll and get Steph, there. like she's already from North Jersey, so she doesn't like come into the situation with the like real strong Delaware Valley that like I have. Yeah. Like so, it's it, this will this will be interesting. Um, I, like a year Ooh. from now, I'm looking forward to seeing how Steph talks. She's yeah. gonna say howdy. Do you think I'll pick up a southern accent? Do you think that'll yes. happen? I think you might pick up a little bit of a twang. Yeah, like I think on certain <laughs> words, we're gonna hear a little bit of something coming in. In time. It'll take time, but I think it'll happen. That'll be, that will be fascinating. I do want to make this a study. Someone start, someone start it. It's not gonna be me. Oh God. Definitely, it's definitely not going to be me. I spend enough time in spreadsheets. No, our our listeners no. will figure it they out. Talk, they have to listen to me enough. They don't want to go back <laughs> and listen to podcasts. All right, I think that's oh, it. Oh, so the Flyers. God, we Talk are full off-season right now. How, uh, Good Lord. I just, like, I can't even think of, I don't care about them right now. I truly don't. I do want to close out the show, though, it, with a shout-out to... Our Chuck, Chuck O'Connor, Charlie Charles J. Content O'Connor, um, it, with his tweets yesterday just saying a lot of stuff about stop being so fucking miserable. And mean. Like, just stop yes. being so fucking miserable. It's sports, and it's supposed to be fun, and if you're not having fun, then don't pay attention to sports. Like, it's okay to stop doing a thing that isn't fun for you anymore. It's okay. If you're not having fun, don't do it. And if you're having fun being miserable and mean, like maybe therapy is a good idea for you. Like stop yucking someone else's yum is There you go. That's it. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> I, I no, that is something I did want to say like uh, yeah, I, I'll make a I'll make a joke here and there. Like, you know, when I saw an article about Ron Hextall and what he's going to do with Pittsburgh, and I'll make a here comes Dale Weiss joke. Um, But I'm not watching Colorado Vegas and just going, oh, my God, the Flyers are so far away from this. Like, I am. You don't like hockey if that's what you're sitting there watching and thinking. Like, that's you. You like misery, not hockey, because put the Flyers out of your mind until the fucking season ends. There's some good hockey going on. Just enjoy it. Like, it's it's OK. It's OK. I No, the Flyers aren't as good as these teams. You don't need to think Who about cares? it every minute of every day. No, it's all right. Save that shit for September. Yeah. Like, just it's fun 
funny. The Flyers are not as good as some of these teams, and that's funny. Watch the good ones. Yeah, that's the that's the beauty of the playoffs. You get to watch the good ones now. You just had to live through the misery of that fucking season. It's like it's like fucking reading on summer break. Like, what are you doing? No, you do your summer reading the last day of summer vacation, then you go back to school. You're off. You are free from the Flyers for a few months. Obviously, other than listening to this podcast, do it. It's important. Um, but Bill, I'm just saying, so, some, some of us actually like to read in the summer. Just saying. I love reading. Uh, yeah. I like reading now. <laughs> I wasn't fucking reading during the summer when I was in high school. That's nonsense. Did you, do you guys, are you old enough? I, I think everyone here is old enough to remember the, the summer reading list yep. where you got like yes. punches for Pizza Hut. Oh, yep. oh yeah. Book it. Book, book it. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't remember what it was called, but like <laughs> I, I lived, I, was, I lived for that shit. You kidding me? I Personal lived pan for pizzas? it too. I was such an overachiever, and our Pizza Hut had the salad bar. Oh, remember the, the Pizza shit. Hut salad bar? Yes. Do I remember? That was this. I so worked the pizza for six years. Yes, I remember the salad bar. Yeah, uh, that's right. You won't. You won't tell me what's on their breadsticks because you don't know. It's a packet of season. I go to the back. I know. I go to the back, get a packet, and put it in the shaker. I don't know. Oh, oh God! I, we've I've, we've definitely had this conversation before on this podcast. But I like to read, and I did a lot of reading in the summer because of Pizza Hut. So thank you for all of my feelings towards food. Oh, Steph, you'd Pizza. be proud of me. I watched. I'm not going to read them, but I watched the first two Harry Potters. I'm so proud of you. Did the, Ava make you do that? Yeah, she like loves them. I finally say they're pretty good. I like them. You'll like the later ones a lot better because they're less, like, kitty. I kind of like, like the it. wonderment of youth. All right, we're done. Uh, oh, I do too. <laughs> you know, I'm into it. All right, that's it. That's the show. Uh, like, we need to stop now. <laughs> and that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, you know what to do. You got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content. This show, Flyperbole, other shit, who knows? You get stuff, it'll be fine, it's free, you'll love it. Uh, all the Flyers content you need, all the Flyers coverage you need, right here, Broad Street Hockey Podcast feed. Uh, yeah, that's it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly, and for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!